Well, good evening. It is so good to be with all of you here as well as all of you at home or wherever you may be. Um, tonight, I have uh, a message that I've entitled Sky High Trust. And how many of you know what it means to be sky high? All right, you're either sky high or it's sort of a euphemism to say a whole lot. Like if your blood pressure is sky high or, you know, something is a great deal. Well, we all know we need to trust in God. And when I say sky high trust, that is the ultimate trust in God. And the very first thing that we need to know is what that looks like. What is sky high trust in God? What is that ultimate trust in God? Well, we're going to learn what it means to trust God and what it means to live our lives in Christ. So we're going to trust in God and we want to live our lives in Christ. So I want to begin by saying that, you know, I'm talking about sky high. I don't really have a fear of heights. Um, now, lengths and widths, you know, those are terrifying. Um, bum. Seriously, I don't have a fear of heights per se. Uh, in other words, I'm not really afraid of being high. I'm just afraid of falling. And my fear of heights is proportional to my risk of falling. I have here a six-foot ladder. Maybe you can see it in the camera. There we go. So I have a six-foot ladder, not very tall. Um, and if I were to climb to the top of this ladder, I mean, it says this is not a step. So I won't step there, but I mean, I can go all the way to bump my head on the ceiling. And I feel, you know, pretty secure. I'm still holding on to it, though, but I feel pretty secure. Now, if this six-foot ladder was a 16-foot ladder, a 16-foot ladder at the top, I would feel a lot less secure. How many have been up on a 16-foot ladder? Oh, look at all those hands. Brave people. Um, especially if I needed both hands free to, you know, fix something or work on something because I would want a hand to, to hold on. The higher I was, the less secure I would be. Now, I do trust that ladder to support me. It's not that I don't trust the ladder. I trust it to support me. Where my trust wavers is in my ability to not fall down. You see, I have complete trust that this ladder can easily handle my weight. I'm, you know, just under 200 pounds. No problem for that ladder. But what is key is that the ladder can only support me so long as I am on the ladder. Now, let me say that again. The ladder can only support me so long as I am on the ladder. So my trust in this ladder is really dependent upon me staying on the ladder. That's a lot of responsibility on my part. The ladder isn't holding me, per se, is I'm holding on to the ladder. Now let's imagine that instead of on top of a 16-foot ladder, I'm not twice as high, not 20 times as high, but 2,000 times as high, 32,000 feet. You might say I was sky high. Of course, I'm talking about being in an airplane. Um, cruising altitude of uh, 747, I'm told, is 40,000 feet. So um, you can say just like the 16-foot ladder, I also have complete trust that that airplane at 32,000 feet can easily handle my weight. No problem. So why would I have substantially less fear of falling from an airplane 
than I would from a ladder, even though it's 2,000 feet higher. Well, remember when I said I was on the ladder? Well, there's a difference when I am in an airplane. Now, if I was on the airplane, then that'd be a whole different story. I don't plan on repeating any of Tom Cruise's stunts. But um, I'm secure in the airplane. Seriously, here's the deal. I can fall off a ladder I am on. And the higher it is, the more likely I am at falling. But I'm not likely at all of falling out of an airplane I am in. In fact, the ladder would take quite a bit of effort. <laughs> There's considerable, there is a considerable sense of safety being in the airplane compared to being on a tall ladder. And I'm sure you're way ahead of me because the corollary is our trust in God. In fact, our trust must be in Christ. And that's your first fill-in because that's the key word, in. Our trust must be in Christ. Now, all of us are worldly people by nature. I mean, we like to pat ourselves on the back. We like to do good things. We like to help people and so on. But it's not just that we live on the world. We're all born with a sinful nature. I mean, contrary to what many people may have you believe, you know, we're not by nature basically good. And even the goodness we have or think we have um, can never earn us a place in heaven. So we have this sinful nature that we're, that we're born into. We're, we, we actually inherited that from our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden. You know, we're progeny of them that has passed on through so many generations. The fact that we are sinful in nature is proof that we need a savior. We need to be in Christ. We can't think that we're good enough. We can't think that our sense of balance on this ladder or, or anything else is good enough. We have to be in the security of Christ. Romans 3.23 reminds us, for all have sinned and fall short the glory of God. And Isaiah 64.6 reminds us, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Wow. So if our righteousness is as filthy rags to God, no matter how much we try to be good or think that we're good, we're never quite good enough. And if we're going to ask God to be with him for eternity in heaven, and he's going to ask us, well, why should you be with me? It can't be out of any merit that we've done ourselves. It has to be because of Jesus and Jesus alone. The only hope we have is not in ourselves. Nothing we can do can earn us forgiveness or merit us salvation. It is only by trusting God, by accepting the lordship of Jesus and remaining in Christ. In other words, we can't trust in ourselves. I'll say that again. We can't trust in ourselves. And a lot of problems that we see both in the church and outside of the church is a lack in trust in God. We trust so much in ourselves, our own capabilities, our own goodness, our own talents, that sometimes we just, well, frankly, don't think we need God. You know, we're, we're doing pretty good. And our next-door neighbor, you know, 
who isn't a Christian mows my lawn or, you know, the person at work brings me coffee and they're not Christian. I mean, you know, is it that? Well, yes, it is that important. It's eternally important. So we can't trust ourselves. We can't think that we are all that or we have it all together. We need God. Now, is it any wonder that the higher you climb up, the stronger you hold onto the ladder? I mean, this is only six foot, but if it was 16 feet, I'd be holding on with both hands. And the higher I went, the stronger I think I'd wrap my arms around it. Why? Because we have an affinity for the things of the world. Remember, I said we have a sinful nature. And like gravity, we prefer to be on good old terra firma. Gravity is always pushing us down, and our sinful nature is always pushing us down. It is a choice. It is a choice to be godly. It is a choice to accept God as our Savior. Naturally, we want to be right on the ground, and naturally, we want to follow our worldly nature. So y'all know that I'm a a bit of a word nerd, and um, so I thought I'd share a bit of nerdness with you. Romance languages, such as French, Spanish, and Italian, derive their word origins primarily from Latin. Latin meaning the language of Rome, hence romance. has nothing to do with love. It's romance, Rome. It's just purely coincidental that we Italians are romantic, but um, romance of Rome. For instance, uh, the word for sky in French is ciel. In Spanish, it's um, cielo. In Italian, it's cielo. If, um, if I want to say the stars shine bright in the sky, it'd be uh, le stelle brillano nel cielo in Italian. What's interesting is that the word for sky is the same word for heaven, cielo or cielo in Italian. Growing up in Italian familia, you m- probably would hear expressions like santo cielo or grazie al cielo, thank heaven, or good heavens, because cielo and sky Heaven, it's all the same word. So let's use this little linguistic word picture in a theological sense. The higher you go in the sky, the further you are from the ground. The more heavenly you are, the less worldly you will be. The more godly or Christ-like you are, the less worldly or sinful you will be. Because to be in Christ is to be like Christ. And that's where we want to really, really drill down tonight. Because we naturally want to be like Christ. All of us here, we want to be like Christ. But to be like Christ means to be in Christ. And there's a lot of wonderful things that happen as a result of being in Christ. But just like being sky high in an airplane... We have to trust in Christ that he will enable us to live heavenly. And that is to live righteous lives. Let's use just one more illustration to drive this home. How many of you remember walking on a a balance beam when you were in school? You had gym class and you had to walk on a balance beam. and um, Yeah, so I have here, courtesy of Bob Saunders, a piece of two by four. Now, this two-by-four is closer to three and a half inches, but a standard balance beam, if you remember from 
school gym or gymnastics or something, um, is actually four inches wide. So it's even wider than this. On the ground, if I were to walk on this two by four, no problem, feel pretty secure. Now, a balance beam in gymnastics is four feet, one inches, 4.1 feet off the ground. At four and a half feet or 4.1 feet, I am a lot less secure walking on four inches. I am even less secure, instead of 4.1 feet, 41 stories, like this man walking on this iron girder. And you folks can see that at home, too. Not the kind of job I would want to be at walking on a steel girder 41 stories high. I wouldn't even want to walk on this, and that's six inches. This three and a half, that could be... 60 inches, I still wouldn't want to be. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. So there's no peace in that. If I'm going to be sky high, I want to be in an airplane. If I'm going to be able to live a Christian life, I got to be in Christ. So when you're in Christ, you have peace. And that's your first film. We're going to look at um, four benefits to being in Christ. When you're in Christ, you have peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, Then will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live, how? In Christ Jesus. So when we are in Christ, when we live in Christ, we have God's peace. And his peace will guard our hearts and minds. There's a lot of things that people worry about today. There's a lot of anxiety. There's so many people are, are fearful and worrisome of, of politics, of economics, of climate, of relationships with people. There's so much to be worried about, so much concern, so much stress. And there's no peace in that. And peace is the presence of Jesus. It's not the absence of war, as Pastor mentioned on Sunday. It's not the absence of bad things. It's the presence of, of God. So when we are in Christ, we are in his presence. And being in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and there is perfect peace. Secondly, when you're in Christ, you have prosperity. First P word is peace. Second is prosperity. Philippians 4.19, a scripture we're all familiar with. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, when I say prosperity... I'm not just trying to maintain alliteration. And I'm not meaning, you know, filthy rich either. Or even clean rich, is that a phrase? Um, it's not being rich. It is being provided for. It's having provision. Um, that's another P word. It's God provides for you. 
He loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to, um, to, to go without. But we need to put him first. And when we are in Christ, we're putting God first because we're in him. And when we're in him, we are with him. And in that communion, communion with God, he takes care of us. And if he takes care of birds of the air and, and um, beasts of the field, how much more is he going to take care of us who are created and made in his likeness and image? But we have to remain in Christ. Remember, I said it would be difficult to bust your way out of an airplane to fall to the ground. But you can still do it. God wants to hold on to you. He wants to take care of you. But believe it or not, you can wrestle your way out from his protection. You can wrestle your way out from his provision. And you can lose that prosperity. You have to choose not only to accept Christ, but to remain in Christ. Thirdly, when you're in Christ, you have purpose. Purpose, that's the third P. In other words, you're not sitting idle. You're, you're going somewhere. When you're in an airplane, that plane is going somewhere. If It has a destination. Okay? It has a purpose. It, and you're part of it. Where that plane goes, you go. And if that plane were to stop flying forward... If it were to become idle, it would crash. So just like that plane needs to fly forward in order to keep from crashing, we need to have a purpose and we need to be doing something with this great gift that God has given us. We can't just sit idle and say, I got my golden ticket, I'm going to heaven. That's all I need to do. I can just kick back, watch Netflix, Know that when my time comes, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's not the way to live. That's like being in an airplane that's just stalls. Yeah, your airplane's in the air, but not for long. You know, it's no coincidence that um, they say that idle hands are the devil's handiwork. We, we can't be idle Christians. We need to be about our Father's business. Even Jesus, who said that what the Father speaks, I speak. The Father and I am, are one. When he was asked to do this and that, he said, I must be about my Father's business. He had a purpose. Now, his purpose was to live a sinless life, die upon the cross for all humankind, so that we can be pardoned for our sins by putting on Christ, so to speak, and then in Christ be accepted by God. But he's given all of us a purpose. He's given all of us talents, treasure, time, and our own testimony to share with others. We have a purpose, and we need to live that purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, if we're going to be in Christ, 
we're going to do those good things that God wants us to do. Now, you might be scratching your head thinking, well, what are these good things? I mean, well, that's where it comes to prayer. Because when you're praying with God, not just to him, but with him, God will speak to you in a way that you alone understand and God will impress upon you the things that he wants you to do. In fact, all of us have certain abilities that aren't shared with the rest of us. Why do you think we have those abilities? Why do you think all of us don't have the same abilities? Why do you think everyone doesn't drive a red car? Why don't you think everyone chooses the same occupation that pays more than other occupations? Because we've all been given our own individual likes, dislikes, preferences, talents. We've all been given a, a measure of, of abilities to do certain things well and other things that someone else does better. And frankly, the things that I don't do well, I don't really care to do. But the things I like to do well, I love to do. And you're the same way. The things that you love to do, you love to do them because God gave you that love to do them. The fact that you do them well is because God gave you the ability to do them well. Now, put that to a purpose in serving God. Because when you're in Christ, you're going somewhere. Just like when you're in that airplane, you go where that airplane goes. And if you surrender your heart and life to God and he becomes the Lord of your life and not just your savior, not just your ticket into heaven, but your Lord, and you follow him, then you want to go where he goes. Philemon 6 says this. Paul is writing. He says, And I am praying that you, Philemon, will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. There's two words that I want to really pull out of there besides the obvious, in Christ, and that is put into action. Our Christianity is not just a thing. It's not just a belief. It's not an idea. It's not just an acceptance or a state of mind. It is an action, and we need to put our Christianity into action. That's what Paul is pleading of Philemon, and not only that, but the generosity that comes from his faith. See, when we're in Christ, we have a purpose, not for our own lives, but for others. We want to be someone who is putting into action our faith. We want to be a giver. We want to be a server, a servant, in other words. And that encourages others in Christ. Paul is saying this is a great encouragement in Christ. We need to be an encourager to one another. And if we will put into action the faith that we have in Christ, we will be able to encourage one another. Lastly, when you're in Christ, you have perspective. That's the final P, perspective. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, 
literally you have a godly worldview. You have a heavenly perspective. Remember I said we're born with a, a worldly perspective. And by that, we're basically selfish. We, we want to survive. We want to, um, we want to take care of me, myself, and I. You know, we're looking out for number one. And sure, we want to care for our loved ones. I mean, even the most, you know, blatant atheists will, will, will chase their child if it runs into a street. But for a Christian, the perspective we need is to see people through God's eyes. Now, to illustrate this, how many of you have looked outside of a window from an airplane? All of us. Well, all of us who have been on an airplane. Things look differently from 32,000 feet high, don't they? Of course they do. I mean, you probably can't even tell, you know, a person who's on the ground or cars look like little matchbox cars. You have a different perspective. And if you're going to be sky high and you're going to be in Christ, then you have to see the world through his eyes. You have to have his perspective. You have to have a godly worldview. You know, the world is becoming more and more negative. And when you, in fact, when you look on social media, for example, I mean, you'll see little questions. How many see these little quizzes? And they'll show pictures of different um, singers. And they'll say, one of these singers and all of their songs has to go. You know, who's it going to be? Or which of these actors and all of the movies they've ever made has to go? Which will they be? And then, you know, there's you know, 20,000 or 2 million, you know, comments. Well, I hate this guy and I hate this guy and, oh, she's blah, 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 blah. And it's just a bunch of negative. I have yet to see one of those little, you know, quizzes that says, who's your favorite? You know, who, would, who is the person you'd like to have lunch with? Who is the person that you just, just makes you feel good? The person you, you want to share with others? You know, I don't really see that positivity. You know, back when I, was, when I was young, before we had all of the, you know, ability to listen to, you know, 30 million songs at the touch of a button, you know, we'd go to Harmony House and we'd get a record and we'd invite all of our friends to listen to it because we had the record and they didn't. And sure, you can listen for a long, long time until that song came on the radio, and then you'd press record on your little cassette player so that you can listen to it again, but it just never sounded as good. So you go to Harmony House, you get this record. What do you want to do? You want to share it because you love it. It makes you happy. Your fans and their fans, and, and you come together and you share. We're very divided now. We have our playlist, and, you know, and we don't really... Enjoy that fellowship like we ought. And I think to have that heavenly perspective, we need to, to reach out more. We need to be more, oh, here's another P word, we need to be more personable, okay? We need to have more friends in our life. Not Facebook friends, not people who don't really know us other than Facebook but real friends, people we do life with, people that we can influence for the better. You know, when we have that sky-high trust in Christ, 
one of the things that happens is we become more like Christ. When we have that sky-high trust in Christ, we become more trustworthy because we become more like Christ. If you're going to be in Christ, you're going to naturally become more like Christ. And isn't that what we all want and desire? And when we're more like Christ, we're more trustworthy. And people can come to us and they will ask us to pray with them. They will ask us to to help them. They will want to share with us because they'll know that we are a Christian by our love because they see Christ in us. The Bible says Christ in us, the hope of glory. If we are in Christ, people will see Christ in us. Let me say that one more time. If we are in Christ, people will see Christ in us. I have one final scripture, and then I'll close. Psalm 15, one through four. The psalmist begins, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? My emphasis on the word in. Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. This is a great description of those who are in Christ. Now, I will admit, verse 4 kind of bothered me, you know, at first, um, despise sinners. I mean, didn't Jesus eat with the tax collectors? I mean, you know, we're supposed to hate the sin and love the sinner. Well, the flagrant sinners, I had to look that up because it, it bothered me. And, um, and, I, and I noticed this, this Hebrew word for flagrant um, meant a ver- coming from a verb to abhor. Um, to refuse and reject. This is someone who calls something and treats it as loathsome. So these are people that aren't just ignorant of God and just kind of going their merry way and you know doing the occasional good deed here and there. These are people who, who flat out abhor Christ. They reject him. They loathe him. They want nothing to do with him. And they go out of their way to attack him and others who would ascribe to him. Those are people you want to hang around with. Still, hate the sin, love the sinner. I think we can begin to make roads with people who don't know God when they see us as people of love and not of hate. And I'm not just talking about on social media, yeah, I hate this and I hate this. It's easy to jump on the hate bandwagon. You know, that's why there's millions and millions of comments when it comes to a post about, you know, what we hate. But when someone who, you know, maybe they they wear a t-shirt that, you know, that says something that is, I won't say anything specific, but something that is that you would disagree with, that you know God would disagree with. But yet they, they run into a problem and you help them. 
and they know you're a Christian and you don't judge them, then maybe they'll begin to see that the Christians that the media would like people to think are just a political pack or that they're just you know, people who are against this and against that and against this and against that and they hate this and they hate them and they hate those and they hate the other people. We shouldn't be known by what we hate. The old song says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And if we are in Christ, then people will see Christ in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this brief teaching and learning what it means to be in you, to live our lives in you, to cling to you. Lord, we want to be like you, and we want other people to see us as Christ followers, to know what we love and to know your love. Father, you first loved us, and you gave us immeasurably amount of love to love those who may not love us back, But Lord, the Bible says that we were your enemies before you died for us. So Father God, help us to be your mouth, to be your hands, to be your feet, to show your love so that people would see you, the hope of glory, in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.